0: cross brings transformation and i'll be crucified with you because death is just a doorway into resurrection life and if i join you in your suffering then i'll join you when you rise and when you return in...
1: well good morning church how are you today Would you stand up this morning, wave at somebody across the room, let them know you're glad they're here. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? We serve a big God, amen. They got more than enough. that he'd been good to you father we give you all of our praise for you alone are worthy for those times that you've been with us we know that you have seen us through god so we give you all the praise we know that when you're on our side nothing can stand against and if our god is for us then who could ever stop us and over in your presence, I speak Jesus. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak, Jesus. Cause your name is power, your name In the darkness over every enemy, Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Come on, let's shout, Jesus. His name is bigger than fear. His name is bigger than depression. His name is bigger than sickness. So we choose to lift up the name of Jesus in this place over every circumstance, every situation. God, we speak life. We speak the name of Jesus. 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 Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the dark over every enemy jesus for my family i speak the holy name jesus come on let's shout that name of jesus Jesus is stronger, hallelujah,
2: hallelujah.
3: worship you lord jesus we magnify your holy name hallelujah glory to god glory to god glory to god we adore you lord jesus worship you lord worship you we worship you oh we worship you we worship you we worship you Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Savior, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us. You never forsake us. Your promises to us are yea and amen. You are the beginning and the end, full of mercy, full of compassion, full of loving kindness to us. Thank you for your hand that is upon your church and upon your people, Lord. You are our Lord and our Savior. Our lives are surrendered unto you. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for direction. We thank you for strength. We thank you for guidance. Hallelujah. We thank you for the privilege to walk by faith. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us And we allow him to live big in us today. Hallelujah. Thank you for the body of Christ, for one another, for what you're doing in the earth today. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Give her a ministering to each heart in here today, Lord, as only you can do with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to dismiss the children and the teens now. Uh, They can go to their classes, praise the Lord, and as they're doing that, why don't you turn around and greet several people around you, give them a warm welcome, and God bless you. For those of you who are worshiping with us today online, we're glad that you've joined us, praise the Lord, and we know that you're going to be ministered to. you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to just let you know a few things that are going on. Remember tonight, we're having our family fall festival. We're going to have a great time here at the church. We have fun for all ages. We're going to have a chili cook-off this year. Uh, We have things for the youth and the children. And um, so be sure to join us tonight from five till seven o'clock. Bring neighbor, bring a friend with you. We, uh, we always have a fun time. And then, uh, don't forget, the second Sunday in November, November 12th, we're going to have uh, international Thanksgiving meal. And so we just ask that you bring a dish from um, maybe your region of the country or your part of the world, however you may uh uh, celebrate Thanksgiving to to either bring a, a side a, a dish and or a dessert whichever you choose to do we always have plenty of food and a great time together praise the Lord um, as you know every year we. Um, help with uh, Samaritan's Purse with the shoeboxes, and you can find in the back uh, there, Mr. Dean will be back there, and he can serve you, answer any questions that you have. There's shoe boxes that you can pick up and fill for a child, and um, the deadline on that, I believe, is the 2nd, uh, I think it's November the 12th, is <laughs> <It's> the 12th. <laughs> Pastor Chip, don't text me if you don't want me to say anything. It's a big joke. Anyway, um, uh, so we're going to run a video right now that Samaritan's Purse sent to us just to give you a little vision of, uh, of what they're doing. So you can go ahead and roll that, Bobby.
4: My name is Edouard Dicky, and I'm from Senegal. 95% of people where I grew up are not Christian. But from all of that population, God picked my dad to be a pastor. Growing up was not easy, seeing your friends going to school. We have to stay at home because my parents didn't have money to send us at school. I was so upset because all my friends have everything they want. When I say dad, why we are not blessed like them. And he said, even if you don't eat, even if you don't have stuff, Edward, remember that you have God. I was involved in the group Good News Club. That Wednesday was amazing. We were coming to have fun, laugh, joke, to do all of that. And uh, we received a box. We opened it. In the side of the box was I didn't have to brush when I was growing up. We used charcoals and salt to brush our teeth. Having it for the first time was just a miracle. This is the wow. It was wrapped like this. I didn't know what is inside. Carefully, this is my yo-yo. This is my yo-yo. Every day, every night, with the neighborhood, we always play. Someone cares. God, He cares so much. He has to use someone, somewhere around the world, to pack my box. I came to United States because of my background, bigger track athlete. I was involved in the church in my local town. And one time, I saw the boxes I received when I was 14. And I was so excited. I didn't have words. I was just like, what is what is this? Where did this come from? It's reality here, people, is you guys are doing this for real? And they say, yes. I say, I received one when I was 14. And everybody was so happy. Everybody was looking at me like, yes, you are in our church. Seeing God connecting me being 14 and coming to the United States and to see the two elements just connected as a perfect picture show me that I'm in the right spot. I'm in the right place serving the Lord. Daniel is my son. Daniel is the version of Edward in Senegal, but in the United States. Talking to him is the opportunity, like my dad told me. No matter what you struggle with, remember, you have a God that loves you. Daniel packed boxes, and he liked to say also his dad received one. In the corner of this universe, you have a kid that is waiting for you to pack a box for them. It's not just a shoebox that you are packing. You are changing lives.
3: Amen. So pack a, pack a shoebox this year, pack several shoeboxes this year, maybe um, have a neighbor, share it with a neighbor or co-worker. There are a lot of people who don't even go to church who pack the shoeboxes. So, um, so uh, uh, we encourage you to do that. We're going to invite the ushers to come at this time. We're going to receive our morning offering, and I'm just going to read a few scriptures as they come. First is Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father... It is with joyful hearts that we always bring our tithes and our offerings unto you. You've been so good to us. And we do it in worship unto you, in thankfulness unto you. For you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father, for divine provision, peace, and protection for our church family. In Jesus' name, amen.
5: you have been given the chance to give, would you stand and worship with us again? I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never laid working all things
2: Lord, we bless you. We magnify your name. Let's make our confession together. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Now, before we get going with the service, let's, uh, let's say a prayer for Israel. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Israel, have victory over her enemies. We pray, Father, that you would make the enemies of Israel as the Midianites, that you would reveal their devious plans and expose their, their work, that their leadership would be cut off, and that their enemies would be destroyed. We thank you, Father, for doing a great and exceeding great and precious work that the world would know that you are, that they are your people and that you are on their side. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to teach this morning on being redeemed from the curse. I'll be teaching on faith and healing. I heard uh, recently that there was someone that used to come to our church and doesn't anymore. That they offered a critique of my ministry that I always teach on faith and healing. You know, that's what they used to say about Brother Hagen. I guess that's one of the greatest compliments I could ever get. Let me tell you something else. There was, uh, when Brother Hagen was still alive, he was scheduled to be in a church out here in Northern California somewhere. I don't even remember where it was now. But we had contacted them and told them that we were coming, looked forward to seeing them and so forth. And we were, um, we were on the phone with them. And um, we found out that, um, or we were talking to them about when we would get there the meeting. there They were starting their uh, meeting in this church on uh, Sunday night and we wouldn't be able to travel till Monday, the next day. So we'd missed the first night and first morning services and so we were just kind of filling them in on our plans and so forth. And uh, and Brother Hagin said, uh, well I, I said that I was sorry that we missed the first couple of meetings and he said well that's alright I'll just be teaching on faith and healing and I, I I'm ashamed to admit it now but I never considered that the devil would work against Brother Hagen concerning what God had for him to do like he would me and a lot of other normal people in ministry. So I told him, after he said that, it shocked me for a second, but I gathered myself and said, well, Dad, that's why I'm coming. I want to hear you teach on faith and healing. There's more to it that, that we need to learn. And I made a special effort from that point forward to encourage him Especially when I knew that he would be teaching faith and healing. Those folks, I don't think you could ever get to the place where you know enough of it. Well, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Notice hath redeemed is past tense. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree now why would he do that verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith Christ hath redeemed us from this curse of the law I would imagine I know well I know it's true and I would expect that you've had some experience with it in your Christian walk as well. The idea of redemption is pretty well understood throughout the church. But what we're redeemed from is one of the great unknowns to many, many maybe most Christians. The word redeemed means to buy up, to ransom, and to rescue. Can't talk about redemption without talking about substitution, the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Folks, this is not a promise of God because there is no part of this that is yet to be fulfilled. This is a statement of fact, a statement of truth. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, let's turn back to Deuteronomy 28 and find out what the curse of the law is. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, To observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall... To all these blessings. Everybody say all. Notice it's not one of these will happen to you. To all of these will overtake you. All of these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Now the basket has to do with the the business you conduct or your purchases. The store has to do with your savings. He'll bless you in what you buy. He'll bless you in what you save. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Now, folks, that's a little bit difficult. This is one scripture that I think is, uh, is subject to private interpretation. It could mean one thing to you and mean something different to me. Part of the reason for that is because your enemies are different than my enemies. The people that come against you will be different than the, people that, than the ones who come against me. So it seems to me that Deuteronomy 28, verse 7, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. I've taken that to mean that my enemies will see my victory. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. There's your savings. Folks, it's not the will of God for you and I to live paycheck to paycheck. Now I'm sure we both experience living paycheck to paycheck but God doesn't expect us to stay there he expects us to have plenty and up to this point all the things he's talked about are blessings that uh, that are material blessings financial blessings you know it's interesting we go back to our text scripture Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree the reasons are mentioned in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith now the promise of the spirit through faith is salvation but salvation is not the first thing that's mentioned by Paul who's writing by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost the first thing that's mentioned as why God sent Jesus to die for us on the cross and to shed his blood and to redeem us from the curse of the law. The first thing he mentions is the blessing of Abraham, which is by and large dominated by material blessings. God's pretty practical. He deals with man according to the things that man deals with. The Lord shall command thy blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. God doesn't have a problem with you and I having more than we need. And I know that religion tries to keep us bound and boxed in on every side. But God, according to that which is revealed in his word, God wants you to have plenty. And notice he doesn't talk about what uh, the circumstances of the world around us will be. He doesn't talk about us having plenty in times of prosperity when the economic conditions are favorable. He talks about his will for us no matter what's going on around us. His will is not affected or changed in any way whatsoever by the world's economy. He still plans for us and has provided for us a way To walk in the blessings of the Lord. For blessings to be upon our houses. To make us plenteous in goods. No matter what's going on around us. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. In the fruit of thy body. And in the fruit of thy cattle. And in the fruit of thy ground. In the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. The heaven to give the rain under thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thy hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. Now he's not saying it's wrong to borrow because if it was wrong to borrow, it'd be wrong to lend. And if he says that we'd be able to lend to others but borrowing was wrong, then we'd be committed we'd be uh, participating in their sin. He's not saying we can't borrow or shouldn't borrow. He said we won't have to. We shall lend unto many nations and shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. and Thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou carken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all of his commandments, and his his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, cursed shalt thou be in the field, cursed shall be your basket and your store. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now let me remind you of Dr. Young, Dr. Robert Young's uh, teaching on the curse of the law. Dr. Robert Young was the uh, author of Young's Analytical Concordance. He's also the author of a book that's out of print, been out of print for a long time. Hence the Bible interpretation in both of those um, uh, books Young's analytical concordance In it's in the it's a small condensed portion in the notes that he has compiled and it was explained further in hence to Bible interpretation the book that's now out of print but he stated that in the Hebrew language the the um, the verb that is used concerning these activities of God and so forth is in the permissive sense, but English doesn't have a permissive sense. And so it's translated in the King James translation in the causative sense. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee. That should probably be better translated, the Lord shall allow. The pestilence to cleave upon thee. So, if we look at it in that sense, let's just get down to the nitty gritty. If God was going to make the pestilence cleave unto thee, where's He going to get it? If God's going to make sickness or disease attach itself to you, or He's going to put it upon you, where's He going to get sickness and disease? It's not of him. It wasn't in the world that he created when he put it in man's authority. So if he's going to make consumption or tuberculosis cleave unto you, where's he going to get it from? Would he use something that's of the devil? That would make the devil and God partners in in his at least in, in his work to that degree. Sickness is not of God. There's no sickness in heaven. So we know that God has not created or prescribed sickness and disease in any manner whatsoever. Sickness is not of God, so God has no sickness to use. You know, if that simple fact was made known to the body of Christ worldwide, that simple truth would change the world that we live in in a a mighty, mighty way. But you can well understand why the devil would keep that under wraps and do whatever work of deception he could to keep that from being known. In the words, been in the word all the time. But just because something's in the word doesn't mean somebody's going to read it and know it. Verse 22, the Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And the heaven that is over your head shall be brass and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. There were two sisters back in the early 1900s that were children of a renowned surgeon in Chicago by the name of Yeomans. The two sisters were also medical doctors. One of them, Lillian. contracted well I started to say a disease but it was really an addiction she got addicted to morphine and she went down to death's door somebody told her about healing in the bible and she began to study and read the scriptures and so forth she obtained her healing and she started ministering to people divine healing rather than medical healing now their father passed away and left them an inheritance and part of their inheritance was the, the family home and it was a would be considered to be a mansion it had six bedrooms and so these two sisters turned this home into what they called a faith home and they would take in being medical doctors themselves they called their the the people that they treated they called them patients and so they had four rooms that they used for their faith home and then two bedrooms for the two sisters and there was a being a small place a limited number of people that they could take in word got out that they were healing ministering healing and had some great results to, with people and so they had uh, a waiting list there was uh, one of the rooms came available and so the woman next woman on the the uh, waiting list had tuberculosis the Bible calls that consumption and um, and Dr. Yeomans, I think it was uh, Lillian B. Yeomans, that made the statement that when they admitted her and was we getting her set up in the the faith home, that they recognized that the woman was at the literally at the point of death, and if they had been medicine, been treating them medically, they would have begun to inject them with strengthening medication because of their proximity to death so they got set up in the room and uh, Dr. Yeoman sat down next to the bed and read the third chapter, the whole third chapter of the book of Galatians and then read the 28th chapter of of Deuteronomy, just as we've done here this morning, and uh, and after finishing the twenty-eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, they got to the end of the chapter, beginning in verse fifty-eight. We'll skip over some of the things that it says specifically about disease, but in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. Verse 28 verse 58. I'll get there. I'm scrolling down. It says, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues, and of long continuance and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Verse 61. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Folks, the of the is saying very specifically that every sickness and disease is a part of the curse of the law. Every sickness and every disease is a part of the devil's work against mankind. Not God's work, but the devil's work. Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, For this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest in the earth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. How did he do that? Through the shedding of his blood. So Dr. Yeomans finished... Deuteronomy chapter 28, and asked the lady, did you see that sickness and disease is a part of the curse of the law, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse, the curse of the law? And the woman answered, and she said, well, yeah, I heard you say that. And Dr. Yeoman says, well, does it mean anything to you? She says, No. Not that I know of. I've never known it before. Never heard of it before. But it doesn't mean anything to me. And so Dr. Yeoman said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start saying these words. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law being made a curse for me that the blessing of Abraham might be mine. The blessing of Abraham is freedom from sickness and disease. Christ has borne consumption of tuberculosis so I need not bear it so she got her to say it a couple of times instructed her every time that she thought about it thought about something about her body to say it again and she left her there she went back later on in the afternoon did the same thing again read Galatians chapter 3 the entirety of the chapter to her in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and the woman this time joined in, she said, I, I'm, I've been saying it just like you told me to, but it doesn't mean anything to me. She said, that's all right. Just keep saying it. So she started saying, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of tuberculosis He bore tuberculosis so that I need not bear it. This went on the same way for several days. After about four days, Dr. Yeomans and her sister Ann were downstairs in the kitchen getting lunch ready for the people in their faith home. And all of a sudden they heard somebody running upstairs. They stopped what they were doing, looked at each other, walked out into the hall. And this woman started running down the steps, saying, Do you know that Christ has redeemed me from tuberculosis? He took tuberculosis so that I need not take it. I'm free from tuberculosis. And she was healed. Post-healing is not some difficult thing that God dangles in front of you. Hopeful that a few, maybe somebody that's particularly strong in faith might take hold of it. It's simply the reality of the word of God spoken from your spirit or from your heart. No matter what's going on in our flesh, no matter how we feel, Ever notice how many people ask you how you're feeling? We do, as, do ourselves and, and those people a favor if we'd ask them what they believe rather than what they feel or how they feel. Every sickness is a part of the curse of the law. Now look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from me, from thee, neither is it afar off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go for us to heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea. Thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. The words that come from from your mouth or out of your mouth, from your heart. That's how we take hold of these blessings of Abraham. The word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that that both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Remember the foundational truth that God put man here on the earth to execute dominion and authority to have authority over all the work of his hands so the choice still comes down to yours and mine what are we going to choose are we going to choose life or are we going to choose death I think a lot of people maybe most people choose death just by default you know how when you get a new computer it has Installed settings. I think the, uh, I think death is the default setting for mankind. And for most, the most part, it may be that most Christians don't know that they have a choice to make. They may believe that the only choice they had to make was to get saved, and so now they're saved. Their future is assured when this life is over that they'll go to heaven. But there's a whole lot more choices to make than that. Brother Hagen was raised from a deathbed in August of 1934, he was 17 years old and many people that have heard just part of his testimony might assume that when the healing power of God came down upon him, that that was it. He didn't have any more trouble or challenges with his heart or the deformed. He had a deformed heart. He had an incurable blood disease. There were several other things that would take his life over a period of time. But he reached out in faith to him a while to learn the principles of faith. Finally, in August of 1934, he was healed by the power of God. But he said from that point forward, there was a fear of being paralyzed again that was always with him. He called it like a little puppy dog that would follow him around. In 1945, he was in a church and it was late in the night. He was reading a little book by Dr. Lillian Yeomans that we were talking about before, the book Healing from Heaven. And she, in that book, there was a chapter that um, she discovered, She discussed where sickness came from. And Brother Hagen saw from that little book that he didn't have to fear of returning back to paralysis or anything else that that the devil was doing. And he used to tell the story about how there at 2 o'clock in the morning in the little bedroom that he was staying at in the parsonage of this church, he took a running spell and just ran around in circles because of the freedom that the truth brought to him. Folks, you remember in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus talking to the disciples said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus made a distinction between believers and disciples. Now, the people he's talking to, talking to the apostles, Well, really before they became apostles. He's talking to people that had a closer relationship with him than anybody else on the planet. He's talking to people that had set aside their life's work to learn from him, to learn about God, to learn whatever he had to teach them. But Jesus told them that their relationship with him was not the answer. The answer was the word, continuing in the word. So he told them, if you continue in my word, so then are you my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make or set you free. Well, that's what happened to him. 1945. He tried to go to sleep, slept for a couple of hours, woke up, reminded himself of the truth that he just read in Dr. Yeoman's book, got up and had another running spell. Happened this way several times during the night. He kept having running spells because of the truth that set him free. Now, prior to that time, He knew what the Bible said about rebuking the devil and he'll flee from you. So he had rebuked the devil and rebuked the fear. But because of a lack of knowledge, the fear never would leave. You can see how important it is for us to renew our mind to the truth of the word. Alexander Dowie had a similar experience to this. He was a Congregationalist minister. He had a church that he pastored in Australia. In about 1875, there was a plague that came to Australia. They called it Black Death. And he had... Lost 40 something people from his church. People were dying all over the city. Hospitals couldn't contain the patients, they were so great in number. There were tents set up out in the streets. And there was virtually nothing that could be done when somebody contracted this plague. He had been to the one of these uh, outdoor tents that was set up to look after people. He had just lost some of his, uh, more of his people. And so he was back in his church study and he had his head in his hands and he just cried out unto God. He said, God, are you going to take everybody in my church? Is your plan to kill off everybody that I have? Now, he was of the opinion, which everybody else was too, I guess, that this was the work of God. But if you think God's killing your people, what are you going to do? crying out to God with all of his heart and God showed him a scripture if you continue in my word then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free God brought to him Acts 10:38. how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In a moment of time, God opened that scripture to it, and he saw it and understood what it was saying. It was saying that the devil is the oppressor. The devil is the one behind sickness and disease. Jesus is the deliverer. And everybody that Jesus healed in his earthly ministry, was under the oppression of the devil but Jesus delivered them so he saw it what do you do then if you were in his position what would you do he didn't have any direction there wasn't anything God showed him or told him to do with the revelation that he got just about that time there was a young boy in his church that ran into his study and said mama told me to get you to come to the house called his brother's name he's got the plague so Dr. Dowie jumped up from his desk and ran with the boy back to the house and there was a doctor that was there the doctor was part of his church too and the doctor had just finished examining the boy and confirmed what everybody suspected, that he had contracted this plague and would be dead in a matter of just a short period of time. And the doctor said to Dr. Dowie, Well, he's got the plague. This must be another one. It's the will of God to take. And this time, Dr. Dowie flared up. He said later that he did it without thinking. It was just something that happened from within him. And he said, how dare you? you call this the work of my God? The devil is the author of sickness and disease. He's the author of this black death. And the doctor kind of bowed his back a little bit, said, pastor, you'd do well to keep your hands off the work of God. Dr. Dowie laid hands on him, on the boy. He rebuked death. He rebuked the disease. He quoted Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He invoked the name of Jesus. Cursed this disease. And the boy. Almost before their eyes. Changed. And the symptoms of this black plague. Left his body. Dr. Dowie said. Or reported. That from that point. He never lost another person the black death, everybody that had it when he found these things out were healed and the rest of his congregation were, um, nobody else in his congregation um, contracted the disease how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power isn't it amazing that God had to anoint Jesus Jesus is part of the Godhead. How come he needed to anoint him? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus laid aside the anointing that he had for the power and the glory that he had as the Son of God and came to the earth as a man. Nothing more than what you and I had until God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. What did he anoint him to do? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing. Healing wasn't the only good thing that he did, he did other good works too. But he anointed him to heal. Who did he heal? All those that were oppressed of the devil. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bound together, and no could lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Let's take a breath, moment to consider some things. Jesus said in many places multiple times Jesus said I came to the earth not to do my own my own will but to do the will of him that sent me who sent him God the Father so he came to do the will of God the Father so everything that we see Jesus doing is an example of God's will And when I say God, I mean the Father's will. It wasn't that there was a differentiation or a distinction between the will of Jesus and the will of God the Father. But Jesus felt it was important for us to know that the work that he was doing was not of his alone, but of the unseen heavenly Father. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Well, he could say that because he did the will of the Father in everything that he did. Now, there were, there were a lot of uh, examples of healing that we could use where people came to Jesus. For example, Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus and based on her own faith received healing power and was set free from her condition. We see a lot of other examples where people extended their faith toward God or toward Jesus. But here's a situation where Jesus seems to act on his own. It's not in response to something that somebody else does. But here's Jesus who's doing the will of the Father, showing us God the Father's will and attitude toward sickness and disease. So back to verse 11, behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now folks, the ruler of the synagogue had 18 years to help this woman, but didn't do anything to help her. But he sees the healing power of God manifest on the Sabbath day. And finds fault with what's being done. Jesus didn't take to that too kindly. The Lord then answered him. And said thou hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath. Loose his ox or his ass from the stall. And lead him away to watering. And ought not this woman. Now verse 16. Is going to identify. Everything that Jesus did and why? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So apparently he did other things as well that we don't have a record of. Notice what Jesus said. And again, Jesus is acting on his own, not in response to the woman's faith. We don't know what the woman believed. We don't know if she even knew who Jesus was. But Jesus, here on the earth to do the will of the Father, sees this woman who's bowed together and can't break herself from the devil's bondage. Jesus knows first and foremost that she's bound by the devil. Nowhere in Jesus' ministry here, at this place included, did he ever have to stop and pray to find out why somebody was sick. He didn't have to pray like many people today would assume that you'd have to pray to find out if God was behind the sickness or against the sickness. People come up with all kinds of crazy notions and unbiblical teachings and ideas. One lady minister that said that God told her that he couldn't trust everybody with cancer. I'm sure glad he can't trust me with it. People try to make up reasons and excuses for why certain things are the way they are. Oh, sometimes we don't know why they are. And there's no scripture that's ever going to identify that we can get every answer to everything that we want. But Jesus knew immediately where this sickness was from. Now we call it sickness. It could have been something like rheumatoid arthritis or something like that. But Jesus knew immediately what the source was. And because he knew what the source was, He knew the answer and what to do to overcome the sickness or disease, the condition. But the first thing that he said, he identifies that this woman being a daughter of Abraham should be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham now again, this is Jesus acting to carry out the will of God the Father. But God the Father is saying this woman ought to be loose. Why should she be loosed? Well, the first reason is because she's a daughter of Abraham. So whatever she knew, whatever she believed, whatever she had done, whatever she hoped for, whether it was right or wrong, whether it was true or false, Jesus is saying she should be loosed because she's the daughter of Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written, "Curses is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. If she ought to be loosed because she's a daughter of Abraham then you and I ought to be loosed because we're children of Abraham too. Last verse in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, I believe it is, says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed according to the promise? Well, are you Christ? Have you been saved? Then every one of us ought to be loosed. So Jesus said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. God is identifying two things. That the blessing of Abraham covers sickness and disease, every sickness and every disease. No questions asked, no hesitation, no restrictions, no requirements, no conditions or criteria to be met first and foremost. God says the children of Abraham ought to be loosed whether they ever receive it or not, whether they ever find out about it, or take hold of it or not. Every child of Abraham ought to be loosed from sickness and disease. Now that's what Jesus is identifying as the will of God the Father. The second thing, the second reason that she ought to be loosed is because it's the devil that's binding her. So just as it is the will of God and the attitude of God that everybody that's bound by, everybody that's a daughter of Abraham, son or daughter of Abraham, should be loosed from sickness and disease. Everybody that's bound by Satan should be loosed from sickness and disease too. Folks, this is an unequivocal, absolute proof that sicknesses of God that healing is of God, excuse me, you said that wrong, that sickness is not of God, that sickness is of the devil, and that God wants every one of his children loose and free. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I wonder what those other glorious things that were done by him were. John said that if everything Jesus said and did was written down, the world itself couldn't contain the books. That means there's a whole lot more that happened than what we have record of in the four gospels. John wrote, as we just said, if everything Jesus said and did was written down, the world couldn't contain the books. He was the last gospel writer. He knew about the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so the ones he added to Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts, he looks at these collections and said, Wow, this is hardly anything compared to what he did. This is just a sketchy outline. I wonder if we get to see those when we get to heaven. Maybe there's video days or something that we can see the things that took place. So the blessing of Abraham comes down to keeping the law. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, He said, a new commandment I give unto you. Now, if it's a new commandment, not just another commandment, but if it's a new commandment, it means it takes the place of something else. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. For all men shall know you are my disciples because of your love. Paul expounded on this and said, love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So instead of the, the law of Moses, We have one law, and that's the law of love to keep. We have one law that brings us into a place where we're blessed in the city and in the field, the basket and the store, where God makes us plenteous in goods and so forth, commands the blessing upon us in the storehouse, and all the other things that we read in the first 14 or 15 verses of Deuteronomy 28 paraphrase in New Testament terms if you shall walk in love then all these blessings shall overtake you all of these blessings shall overtake you folks I I truly hope that we have enough time before Jesus comes back to get to the place where we can see and where others can see in us God's fullness of mercy His generosity by showing us and experiencing the fullness of everything that he said would happen to us. those things don't match up to what we'll have in heaven. And it looks like the time is getting shorter and shorter. But folks, one thing that we can say without fear of contradiction, and that is God wants better for us than we would even want for ourselves. The description of the blessings of God in Deuteronomy chapter 28 far outstrip the prayers that we pray, prayed for ourselves, the things that we sought after God's goodness and His mercy, His kindness. And his generosity just can't be matched. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the truth that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We thank you for the truth that love is fulfilling the law. We thank you for the truth that sickness and disease is always of the devil. But just as the devil is the oppressor, Jesus, you are our deliverer. Open our eyes to the truth, Lord. We are of those that you spoke of that continue in your word. You said we'd know the truth, and the truth would set us free. Open our eyes to the truth, Lord. Truth that we seek and truth that you know that we need. Father, you've been so faithful to us. When things went for us and when things went against us, your faithfulness never fails. thank you for your mercy. We thank you for upholding us with the hand, your right hand, for helping us, for strengthening us, for upholding us with the hand of righteousness. Father, we thank you for wisdom, wisdom to do the work you've given us to do, the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that we would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power that works in us as believers thank you for loving us Father Jesus name Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. God bless you folks. We serve a great God. Amen. You're dismissed.